Before we get going, just a heads up. The episode you're about to hear was pre-recorded. For the latest on breaking news around the coronavirus, go to WREL.com. From WREL News and the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network, this is your coronavirus North Carolina news brief for Friday, July 24th, 2020. I'm Cliff Bumgardner. Since the outbreak of the coronavirus pandemic, one question has plagued the public and health experts alike. When will we have a vaccine? Well, earlier this week, the University of Oxford released a report on three possible vaccines for COVID-19. With all three, people produced antibodies to the virus. Whether or not the antibodies will be enough to protect people needs further testing, but these results are promising. Dr. Mark McClellan, former FDA commissioner and director of the Duke Center for Health Policy, spoke with WREL's Gerald Owens about the preliminary results and the possibility of an approved COVID-19 vaccine by the end of the year. Today, we're bringing you that interview. Enjoy. Let's start with the Oxford vaccine news. A lot of people talking about this today. Preliminary results from the early phases are promising, and we've seen several promising signs lately. Might we see a vaccine by the end of the year? Well, Gerald, I think there's a good chance that one or more of these vaccines that are getting farther along in development, meaning they're actually being tested in large numbers of people, could show that they're effective enough for use in some people by the end of the year. So these are good signs, but it's important to remember that it's still a long way to go. The multiple vaccines are showing that people do create antibodies in response to the vaccine. They do have some immune response, but we still have a lot of testing to do to see if the vaccines actually prevent infections or make the infections less severe. And that's the big uh, work to do ahead over the next few months. If that all goes well, some people could have vaccines available, especially in high risk groups by the end of the year. You know, vaccines typically take years to come to fruition. What do you attribute to the breakneck pace that we're that we seem to be heading with this with these particular vaccine trials? Gerald, it is really impressive how much progress has happened. And this is really an all-hands-on-deck approach. Uh, uh, Operation Warp Speed at the federal level has helped with funding. Industry has come together to take uh, common approaches to to doing their studies and and looking at sort of the same important goals or endpoints for the, the clinical studies. And the healthcare community is coming together to get these clinical studies done in places where there are outbreaks occurring so that we can get the results back faster. And on top of that, even before the clinical studies are finished, companies are working with the government are going ahead and manufacturing millions of doses of these vaccines. So they will be ready to go soon after the clinical results are in. All of that is unprecedented. So still all the steps that are needed to show that a vaccine is safe and effective enough for use, but much compressed by doing all of these steps in parallel rather than a years long sequence. You know, one of the recent testing headlines has been a delay in receiving the results. It's a complaint that people are dealing with around the country. How does this affect the contact tracing process? 
It is, it is frustrating. I know there are a lot more people with symptoms now here in North Carolina and around the country. It can be harder to get a test and then you have to wait days for the results. It really complicates, Gerald, the effectiveness of contact tracing because you have to wait days before you really know who's infected and then can take the steps to find all the people that they were in touch with. And it's days after they've perhaps infected uh, others. So we need to get those test time, uh, time for results down. One of the ways to do that is there are lots of people who are getting tests for screening, not because they have symptoms or because they've been exposed, because, because they're worried. And it's understandably so with schools reopening, with healthcare organizations trying to reopen, and they want to make sure that people don't have uh, coronavirus. But there are screening tests that are better for those uses. And we need to take some more steps. And the state of North Carolina is working on this to create a real strategy around testing that can get this done more effectively. What else needs to happen policy-wise on the national level that hasn't happened yet? Well, Congress is coming back into session this week and front and center is dealing with the next phases of the coronavirus. Some of that is providing economic relief to families and businesses that are really hurting. But an important part of that is health care. And I think that should include more funding for testing and contact tracing and helping people stay at home and not lose money from their jobs or not be able to isolate effectively. That's going to have some cost, but well worth it in the context of containing the epidemic. And then we also need to provide some more help to healthcare workers, but do it in a way that enables them to provide more care at home and deliver care in, in new ways that doesn't clog up the hospitals and get in the way of the pandemic response. This has been your Coronavirus North Carolina News Brief for Friday, July 24th, 2020. As always, if you enjoyed the show, let us know. Leave a rating and review on whatever podcast app you use. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our new episodes. We'll be back on Monday with a usual news brief. Thanks for listening.